And we're just going to do a little chit chat. So, Matt, I know you're a big horror movie fan, right? Yeah, in fact, I just watched a new one last night. Oh, yeah? What did you watch? As Above, So Below. Uh, it's the one where they're underground and they are seeing things in their past or something like that. Yep. Yeah, I took some of the some of the good elements of Tomb Raider, Indiana Jones, The Descent. Mm-hmm. Started off very, very well and then crashed into a shitty pile of garbage in the end. Oh, that's not good. No, it was... And off-balance movie in that sense to me. I, I really enjoyed it, and then I thought the end was kind of crappy. Hmm. How unfortunate. But uh, I'll bring up that topic because I um, something came out today, uh, and I don't think you've had a chance to see it yet. Uh, no, I haven't followed any news or anything yet. Uh, they just released the first trailer for the remake of the uh, Poltergeist movie. Oh, I did hear that this was happening. I did not know. What, what did they show today? Was it a trailer? It, it was a full-on like trailer, a, yeah. Not a teaser? No, they had a teaser yesterday, and today they showed the full trailer. Um, what, You've obviously seen Poltergeist before, right? Yep. Uh, are you a fan of that movie? I am. I haven't seen it in a while, but I I enjoy it. Okay. Um, for me, Poltergeist was, I would say my first horror movie I ever saw. Ever? Yeah. Um, I was still a kid when I saw it. I I think I was probably around maybe seven or eight. Um, and there's a couple of reasons why my parents were not strict on, what I watched or anything like that. They didn't, you know, if I could handle it, they'd let me handle it kind of deal. Um, you know, they weren't like, Oh, this is too violent or this is, uh, too risque or whatever. Um, which granted when I was a kid, I didn't care about watching much of that stuff. Um, and another big factor was the fact that, um, Steven Spielberg had his hands in this movie. My parents knew this. My parents are, well known in Steven Spielberg movies, uh, he, you know he's obviously the guy that did E.T., Hook, uh, you know, obviously the Indiana Jones stuff. Um, well known uh, around my house, uh, and is known for doing mainly kids stuff. So my parents had seen Poltergeist for obviously because it came out before I was even born, um, and I do remember watching it with my dad. Uh, and dad, dad was like, this may be a scary movie for you. And I'm like, I'm all right. And I watched it and, uh, it scared the living shit out of me whenever I was a kid, (laughs) (laughs) but going back to it, um, Poltergeist has this feel to, and I actually mentioned it on Twitter a couple of times today. Um, it's one of my favorite horror movies. Um, it's in the kind of, I would, I would put it in the same vein as the evil dead movies. Because if you watch Poltergeist, you know, as an adult, there are a good amount of scares in it, creepy stuff. But the way that movie is filmed and the way certain situations play out, it has almost a comedic feel to it. (laughs) 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, like how the dad is dealing with all this stuff and, and, you know, it just, it, it's, it's a little ridiculous at times. And I think the movie plays on that and it works really well. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I love the movie so much is because it, it, while it still takes itself seriously, it still kind of like, it still has that Steven Spielberg feel to it where it's, the stakes are high, but at the same time, you just kind of sit back and say, wow, this is kind of ridiculous. Almost like it feels like an adventure, you know, like how they, yeah. how they did with Indiana Jones. It was like, this is kind of an adventure. It's a fucking creepy adventure, you know, that's really scary, but it still, it still has that adventurous feel to it. You kind of have the feeling that they're going to come through in the end. It's yeah. not going to be a, not going to be a doom and gloom ending. Right. Um, so uh, I, I was a big fan of that, and uh, I watched the trailer for the uh, the remake, and it seems like they're trying to do it justice, but at the same time, I'm I, obviously you can't tell from the trailer, but I'm like, does it have that tinge of comedy in it that I'm hoping for? And I'm hoping it does. Um, obviously, you know, Sam Raimi is the the one who does the the horror movies that borderline comedies at times. Just of how ridiculous they are, and um, and it, I felt the same way about the uh, the remake to the Evil Dead. Which have you seen the, the the Evil Dead remake? Oh yes. What do you think of that? I, as I've mentioned before, maybe only to you, but um, the guy that I was volunteering with would essentially only watch horror movies. So I've seen pretty much every one that's come out in the last three years. Uh huh. And I would say there's only about three or four that I really liked, and that was one of them. Okay. So are you well-versed in the Evil Dead as far as the old ones? Uh, I've seen them. Yeah. And I enjoy them. I respect them. Yeah, I'm the same way. I know that there are these rabid fans of the Evil Dead and, you know, this is my boomstick and bullshit like that. And I'm just like, okay, I get it. They're kind of okay movies. No, No, they're better than okay. I really enjoy them. But holy shit, guys. It, you know, it, it, it's it's okay, <laughs> but I I always did enjoy the how goofy the Evil Dead, particularly Evil Dead Two, is. You know, mm-hmm. and Army of Darkness is fucking ridiculous. But um, I love I, I really do like those movies, and of course, you know, the big speculation was oh they're making the Evil Dead remake, and oh Ashley's actually going to be a woman, and all this other stuff, and everybody was all whining about it and stuff like that, and I saw the trailer for it and. They didn't show any goofiness at all. It was it was straight up like a horror movie trailer, mm-hmm. you know. And I saw like they had the the possessed woman down in the basement, and she was like, you can see her eyes come creaking out of the basement and shit. And I was like, okay, this looks kind of creepy. I kind of want to see this. And for the most part, the remake was a horror movie. Um, but then at the end, I'd say the last probably fifteen minutes. Which, yeah, a little over the top. It went fucking Evil Dead 2 crazy on me. And that's when I said, fucking hell yes, this is fucking brilliant. Yeah, and not only that, I thought they did a good job of paying, making an homage to the original movie. Oh, yeah. While still making it feel very new. Right. The um, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen the Evil Dead remake, but when she finally gets her hands on the chainsaw... And when it starts fucking raining blood, I was like, yes. 
I was I, I had kind of a nerd moment there. I was like, okay, this is kind of fucking awesome. <laughs> um, and then of course, you know, at the end credits, after the credits and everything, they have Bruce Campbell for like two seconds. But um. Yeah, yeah, that was that was one of the good ones, I would say. Yeah, that was one of the good ones. And I'm hoping that Poltergeist is going to be in that same vein. Where it's a decent homage to the first one and keeps oh, man, I just like it, it, it like some of that stuff in Poltergeist was just it was so weird. It, you just kind of had to laugh at it a little bit. Yeah. Um you know, I, I, I keep going back to that scene where he brings the paranormal investigators in. They're like, okay, they're all talking about like, oh, we've seen something move off a table once and stuff like that. And he's like, okay, let me show you my daughter's room. And he opens up the door and just shit's just flying everywhere. <laughs> and it's like, this is like every day for him. And they're like amazed by it. And he just kind of closes the door. <laughs> and that, that, I mean, that that's, I was like, that's, that's a comedic moment, you know? Yeah. And I hope they have that in this. So we'll see. But I did want to bring that up because it was something that I had been thinking about today since I watched the trailer. I see Sam Rockwell's in it. That makes me real happy. Yeah. So we're we're looking. I think think they may be able to pull it off. Do we have a date? June, I think. I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure it's June. Maybe July. I don't know, depending on what it's going to go up against. Because if it's going up against the Avengers, then they may want to move it. Yeah, we got a good summer for movies. There's a lot of stuff coming out, man. Got um, a lot of comic book movies, obviously. But, um, but yeah, figured I'd uh, mention that to you since I know you're a pretty big horror guy. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I like I said, I had seen the rumblings today, but I didn't know that it was a trailer they had released, and I will promptly watch it as soon as we are done recording. There you go. So yeah, everybody, welcome to uh, Phoenix Down. This is episode number thirty-four point zero, I think. Oh, I think so. Yeah, I think it's thirty-four point zero. Uh, we are playing through. Speaking of horror, we're playing through a. Semi horror game, uh, Parasite Eve. It's a, a Square developed game. This is before Square Enix. Uh, it came out in uh, uh, 1998, September 9th of 1998 in North America. Um, I could be completely wrong, and I'm sure I am, but I believe this is the only M rated game series that they've ever produced. Hmm. I, I could be wrong. Um, but it, you know, going to it now and looking at it, it doesn't really seem like it should be. Yeah. It's a soft M at best. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the biggest thing, cause I, I saw, I think, uh, whenever I downloaded it on the PlayStation network, it was rated M for mature for strong sexual content. And I'm halfway through this game, and I have yet to see any strong sexual content, uh, unless yeah, the, unless they're talking about cleavage from Eve, which you know back in the day, I guess you know boobs were <laughs> a hardcore thing back then. But don't get me wrong; there is a little bit of violence here and there. But I'm just like, 
I guess for 1998, that was really gruesome. Now it's just it's really bad CGI. Although some of the stuff is kind of interesting, which we'll get into. But uh, yeah, the uh, the the thing to to take away from this is actually it's it's based upon a novel, a Japanese novel. Yeah, which I actually ordered from Amazon yesterday. Oh, really? I'm curious of how they how well the translation is on that because I know that translating from Japanese to English may not be the easiest thing. In fact, I think it's probably one of the harder languages to tra- translate. I guess I could be mm-hmm. wrong. There's tons of games that are translated every single year, but I don't know. It, it just seems like it's a very diverse thing to do. But um, well, let me know how the book is. I. I don't know that this is true, but I believe the the game is a sequel to the book. Okay. Which makes me even more interested to read it, because if it was just a retelling of what we were playing, that would be cool. Mm-hmm. But to get more background on where these cells are coming from and the origins of these family lines, if not these characters, I, th- I think that'll be pretty cool. Because so well, far, I'm liking it. I, I wasn't going to buy the book at first, because I'm like, well, if I hate this book, I've got no... If I hate this game, I've got no interest in reading the book. Uh-huh. But uh, I'm kind of digging it so far. According to the Wikipedia page, the game is a sequel to the novel Parasite Eve. It is the first game in the Parasite Eve series. Um, so, quick synopsis... Of the game, uh, oh, as far as not story, but as far as how you play the game, it is a real time action RPG. Uh, I mentioned it on the N4G podcast, so I'll mention it here. As far as how it plays, I would, I, I'd have to say it's, it's, it's a lot like I, I said, Valkyria Chronicles. I, I think as far as like, uh, you can move and and position positioning is very important in Parasite Eve. Uh, knowing where to stand, when to take shots, and when not to. Um, yeah, I think those are probably the most fun parts of this game. That's I I the, the combat is fun. I like the combat in this game. It's, yeah, I like how the different enemies have different patterns, and again, your positioning and your spacing and your timing is all. Something you have to keep in mind as you're as you're playing. Yeah, it's not quite so. Uh, like the that one RPG I played a long time ago, Enchanted Arms, that was sort of grid based. Uh huh. I liked it for the same reason, in that you do have to plan those things before each attack. I mean, that's a lot slower. That's not in real time. Um, but this almost seems more advanced than that was. But but truth be told, the combat system in Parasite Eve is not that complex, though. Yeah, it's mainly just I need to stand somewhere that is not here right now. You know what I mean? Uh, I need to get away from this monster because he looks like he's you know getting ready to attack, or you know uh, maybe I'm in a better position to get a critical hit. You know, it, it's it's small things like that. But it it, it I don't know what it is. It, it's strange. It's it's one of those things where it, battles don't take very long to finish. Um, they're not overly difficult, but they do offer a challenge. Um, I found that they were pretty easy unless I had forgotten to heal myself. Yeah, and then a random hit killed me a couple of times, and I'm like, I that yeah. 
That that wasn't even that hard of a hit. I just wasn't paying attention to my life. That's exactly every time I have died in this game was because I was not paying attention to my life. Or I was trying to be the badass and risk it and say, I can kill this guy one more shot. Let me just do Ah, fuck. And I'm dead. So, yeah. yeah Especially it's, with that M16. It takes a little a couple seconds to get that first shot off. Yeah, it does. So if they're barreling down on you, you do not want to take the shot. You want to heal. <laughs> yeah. That's just that you got to be cautious in this game. That's that's what I've had. It, you know, better safe than sorry is is how I'm playing this game now. After dying, and then the unfortunate thing of oh, you got to start from the last save you made. No checkpoints in this game. Yeah, I wanted to mention the saves because I do. I like how many there are, and you can kind of go to them, do a little bit of stuff, go back to them. But man, if you you forget about that for a few minutes, play for 20 or 30 minutes, you think you're on a roll and then accidentally die. Yep. Yeah, you pay for it. That's like Skyrim. You know, I just, uh, I, I didn't walk through a door, so I didn't get a checkpoint. I just scaled this mountain and accidentally fell to my death, and now I'm back 40 minutes ago. Oh. Yeah, those were always fun. But, um, so yeah, uh, as as we always do with the beginning of every series, we always talk about our history with the game. And um, as, as far as my history with Parasite Eve, I knew of the game when I was uh, a 13-year-old kid. Um, I rented it from my local video store. Uh, those millennials don't know what the hell a video store is. <laughs> um, those ancient relics known as video stores. Um Pull out an 80, 80s movie, you'll see one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I think this was a game that I wanted to play but had no idea what I was doing in it. I think I was just young enough to where I wasn't necessarily ready for role-playing games, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Although this does, along the spectrum of survival survival horror game to RPG game, this one is not too far in the RPG direction. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't feel like it plays that much differently from a Resident Evil. This is true, um, but at the same time, it's like I, I distinctly, when I was a kid, I remember playing this game. I remember being in the sewers somewhere. And I remember this this bubble coming over my character whenever I hit the X button, and I didn't know what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and I was just like, I don't know. Sometimes it shoots. I have a gun. Let me shoot this person. That was that was my my thoughts on this. Um, I just I, I don't. It, it was so strange. I, like I, I have very vague memories of this game. So I mean, I don't I don't know kind of where I stand at this. I remember I rented it for like a weekend and then took it back and I never played it again. I've for multiple times I have said I should go play Parasite Eve because like Ken said on the podcast, there really is no other game kind of like this anymore. You don't, you don't see many, you don't see many sci-fi horror psychological games like this. Um, even though for, modern standards that the story is there, but the story is, it feels like a game from 1998. 
True, but if you compare that to like Dino Crisis that we recently played, uh huh, this has much more story than Dino Crisis. Absolutely. Does. I mean, they they get into the. I would say you know more than I do. You you know you you know about all this kind of stuff. <laughs> supposedly, I I mean I don't I don't know if this is exactly your field of study, but uh, you know they get into the technical jargon. That I would, you know, because I know nothing about it. So, I mean, when they start talking about it, I'm like, this is kind of going over my head, but everybody acts like they know what they're talking about. Yeah, let's be clear here. There's a little technical jargon thrown in there, but most of what they say is fantasy. Okay. All right. All right. You're going to be my professional here. So that's that's the thing. You're going to put everything into perspective. Um, Well, before we get into that, what what about your history with the game? It's a game that I really... It's another game that I had missed when it came out. I didn't, I wasn't familiar with it, and I sort of, and there was no event that where it came to the forefront of my mind. Basically, uh, this was a game where I missed it, and then it it kept kind of popping up as I was, you know, years later, three, four, five years later, mid two thousands. This was a game that I kept seeing as, oh. I missed that, and uh, it seems pretty cool from everything I read about it. I don't know how it plays. I don't know anything about it. Uh, but I finally, around the mid-2000s, maybe 05, 06, picked up a disc copy of it. Mm-hmm. And I played maybe an hour. Okay. And that was about it. And hadn't touched it. And then when it came out on the PSN, at some point I picked it up. Mm-hmm. And played that first hour again, and then didn't touch it. And uh, that's that's about it. I mean, it's a game. the The concept has intrigued me. The type of game has intrigued me, but I've just never I've never sat down to really put any time into it. Right. Okay. So let's just go ahead and get this out of the way. How are you pronouncing her name? <laughs> I was going to ask you that too. I don't know how to pronounce either her first or her last name. Is her last name just Bray? It may be Bray. It may be Brea. I right. think it's. I think it's Bray. I think it's Bray. That's what I settled. I wasn't sure, but that's what I settled on. And her first name is Aya. Or Aya. Aya. I think it's Aya. Aya Bray. Aya Bray. I think. I don't think it's Aya Bray. That's weird. That's weird. <laughs> Either way, that, that this name is strange, but uh, Aya Bray is how I've been saying it. So, yeah. Aya, you know, and I don't even like it that, that name, except that you know it's got some symmetry with Eve. Uh huh. Which I don't know if that'll come up later. I assume it will. I'm I'm sure it will. It seems like it is. Yeah, it's something I don't. It's something that's subtle enough though that I don't know if they would ever come out and address it like it just may be hey there's a relationship there they both have three letter names with vowels on the ends and <laughs> we'll see so we play as uh, a woman named Aya Bray uh, she is a 25 year old rookie detective for the New York City Police Department which at first glance is something that I thought was kind of cool 
I mean, this is not a new game, but you've got a, a woman as the lead. Yeah. Which is sort of rare. This is true. Um, she, uh... I don't... Like, that's the thing, is like... Especially for a role-playing game, particularly a Square-developed game, just doesn't feel like she has much emotion. It's just like she's kind of like on a roller coaster and there for the ride. She'll ask yeah, questions. Yeah, it does seem like the other characters have a lot more character to them. Yeah. Um, but she, um, it starts off with her going to an opera, uh, with a guy that, who has been begging her for like weeks for, to go out with her. And she decided to go out with him and, uh, decided to go to the opera. Uh, she's not even a big fan of the opera, but for some reason this called out to her is what she said. So, uh, you know, everybody, they're pulling up to the to the opera house. They, they they go inside. They sit down and they're getting ready to uh, to watch. I don't I don't know what the the, the opera is, but or, or the, the the title of the opera. I don't, what the fuck? What is an opera called? Is it is it is it called an opera? Or is it a play? I don't know how this works. <laughs> I'm not I'm not an intellectual, so uh, I've never been to an opera. But, um, I've never even actually been to a play, so I've been to plays before. I've been in plays before, so well, I mean, I've been to small, like I've been to that kind, of, like high school plays, right? College plays. I've never been to like an actual theatrical production. Um, I have a couple of times. Hmm. Um, just local stuff in the city here, but um, you know, they they are, I wouldn't say professional actors. They are actors that have practiced their lines and are not children just standing up there waving at mom and dad. They have the, uh, the Lion King is coming to Memphis. Really? I hear that's actually really good. Yeah, me too. I'm tossing around the idea of going to it. No, oh, there you go. I hope nobody bursts into flames while I'm there though. That's a good idea. You know, let's just make sure this isn't that type of opera. <laughs> so we go to the opera. Uh, we're sitting there and this is all kind of like, it starts off, the the first the very first thing um that i um that i noticed uh is that you know you have to it, it, this game makes you take control of i have almost all the time like uh, you know you kill a boss and there should be a cutscene right after that but instead you have to take over aya and walk to somebody five feet and then the cutscene starts so it's, it's small things like that so we have to we, we, you know, we take control of Aya as she's walking into the to the opera house, and uh, the first thing I notice is, wow, this woman runs very, very slowly. Yes, she does, and I don't think I'm missing the run button because she looks like she's running all the time. Are you using a DualShock controller? Yes. Are you using the stick? Yes. Then that is her run speed. That's terrible. That's terrible. It is. It is, it is really, really bad. It's like, I, I liken it to, if you ever watch the old Scooby-Doo's and <laughs> when uh, Scooby and Shaggy are scared and they start running from a bad guy and they kind of run in place for about two seconds and then they take off. That's exactly how she runs. It's like she's running in place and then slowly moving. <laughs> so it's, yeah, that's, that is, oof, man, it's bad. 
but uh, you just kind of have to get used to it. You, you get used to the jankiness, as as we always say. Yeah. But, but um. So yeah, we take over for her. She goes down. She goes and starts sitting down, getting ready for the opera. And, um. The 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 lead comes out. It's this this woman. Uh, it looks like almost like a Shakespeare play or some shit because there's like uh there's guys like with the swords and stuff like that and uh this woman comes out and she starts uh singing and as she's singing uh the people around Aya are bursting into flames it just 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 spontaneously combusting even though I shouldn't say that because they have said multiple occasions this is not spontaneous combustion. So, but that's the best thing I can, you know, describe it as. People just start bursting into flames and going nuts, and and everybody around them is burning up, except for Aya and her boyfriend, apparently. So she she, she Wait, isn't her boyfriend dead? I don't think so. He made it out, right? Hmm. Remember, she she like. She like kicked him or something like that and made him run away and she pulled out her gun. Oh yeah. And was aiming at the stage, told him to get the hell out. Um I think he made it out. I may be wrong. Oh. Yeah, I just haven't seen him since and just assumed he was dead. So uh she um Yeah, everybody around them is dead, burnt up, burnt to a crisp. Uh, and she's, you know, she's got her gun out. There's that that woman on stage. Obviously, she's the one doing it. She starts morphing into this hybrid human creature thing. She doesn't know. Yeah, what it's hard to tell what she looks like. Even I... <sighs> giant claw hands. Her hair is out of control. Yeah, her hair is basically like morphed into part of her head. Um. Looks, she's huge now. She, yeah, she's huge. She floats in the air. She, I don't think she even has legs, does she? She may have legs. I don't know. Yeah, you might just see the dress. And um, she's calling herself Eve. Um, and she keeps talking about how Aya is starting to become awoken or starting to wake up. Um, particularly, um, a, so Matt, is, is this real? We do I, have mitochondria in our bodies. Okay. So this is, this is a real thing. I, 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 I like, like I said, I've done no research on this. I'm just saying these are the technical terms that I'm, I don't know what these are. So I'm just taking it as is. She keeps mentioning that they're waking up. Not her herself, but I don't even think Aya knows what the hell she's talking about. As, as it, you know, you know, she keeps throwing the word around, and she's like, well, what the hell are you even talking about? I think she's just more worried about killing this person, <laughs> <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, and then we take over. We have to go around and you know go through the backstage and try to get to her, and then we have our first fight with her where we get a, our first taste of the combat. Um, so the combat is pretty much uh, all gunplay for, for Aya. She, she's got, has multiple, eventually you'll get multiple guns and stuff like that, that you can equip. Yeah. There's clubs, but I never found a reason to ever want to use it. I've never used the club in my 
halfway through this game, and I have never yeah. even equipped the club. Which makes sense, but then when I got an upgraded club, I was a little confused. Yeah, I got like, a no, of yeah. Of course, I don't want my normal club, but why would you even think I was using it to want a better club? I think I don't know if there's like a difficulty setting or something like that. Maybe new game plus around or something like that. But even then, it, it, I think it's there just in case you run out of ammo. Yeah, I think that's probably the case because at one point I was trying to ditch it and it wouldn't let me. Yeah. So I kind of think you have to keep it around so that you can't get yourself into a situation where you can't fight off an enemy. Right. So that's that's the biggest thing for me was like it, you are going to be using guns for the for most of this game and I'm I'm you know it's that's one of the things and and, and I'll bring it up on the Metal Gear show uh when we do that. Um, but it's one of the things I've always found endearing about Metal Gear, and I even I'll put it here too, is that even though we're fighting these you know supernatural mutated creatures who have powers beyond our imagination, I'm gonna kill it with a fucking gun. You know what I mean? So uh, <laughs> I've I've always liked that. Um, so uh, the the combat, obviously, like we said, is. You're always in a room or a sectioned off part of an area that you can run around in in real time. Uh, it's also cool that it doesn't do that whole, here's the game, now let's transition into a fight area. Yeah. And then when the fight's over, transition back to the game. I like that it all takes place right in the game world. Yeah, everything takes place in the game world. So like, if you're running around Central Park, which we'll get into a little bit later... You're going to run into a kind of like a random encounter, but it, it there is no screen transition or anything like that. You're standing there, monsters show up, and you can move around that area. I think I would have been blown away by this game if I had played it when it was new. Yeah, because it you know has so many RPG elements, but then doesn't have so many RPG elements. It, it's really a weird hybrid of, of games that I don't know if my stats are doing anything, you know, when you level up. So I level up, right? And when I level up, the only thing that I pay attention to is if my active time bar is going faster, if my hit points increase and if my item capacity is better, <laughs> that's really so you can adjust those with your, your vests and stuff as well. Yeah, you can do that, or you can use your battle points. Bonus points? Or bonus points, that's it, bonus points. BP or whatever they call it. Um, you can increase your, your active time. So so that's that's one of the things that's in the combat is, uh, much like a Final Fantasy VII, which I, I'm, I'm going to make comparisons to, uh, you have a bar that fills up over time. It's your active time bar. And um, when it fills up, you can perform an action. Uh, basically, you hit the X button and it pauses time. You can choose what you want to do, whether it be take a shot, shoot at a guy, or use an item or use a special ability. And um, it's all surrounded by that, including monsters. Monsters and bosses all have an active time bar. You can't see theirs, but th you can tell they're running around biding time until it's time to attack again. So Yeah, sometimes running towards you, sometimes running away from you. Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's all based around the active time bar. Uh, 
man, I'm trying to imagine where else to go with that. So talking a little bit more about the mechanics, I want to get the mechanics out of the way before we start talking about like what we're actually doing in the game. Um, the, the other mechanic is the upgrading of the weapons. Um, every weapon and piece of armor that you get in the game, there's only, there's only, you only have to worry about one thing. So like in a lot of RPGs, Oh, you got chest armor and leg armor and arm armor and head gear and stuff like that. This, you have a, basically a bulletproof vest, some type of a vest, just like, you know, uh, that's one of the things I liked about it because it's modern, you know, you're not, yeah. you're not putting on battle armor. You're putting on a bulletproof vest because that's what a NYPD officer would have as far as armor goes. Um, so you have to worry about your, your armor and your weapons. That's it. So th- there's not much management there, but there's actually some pretty cool things that you can do with your, with your armor and your, your weapons. So like, um, not only can you find upgrades for them, so like plus one to defense or, you know, or plus one to critical hit chance, stuff like that. But you can also, if you find, if you find a better piece of armor and you want to equip that and make it even better, you can use tools that you can find. Sometimes enemies drop them. Sometimes you can find them in item boxes and stuff like that. You can use those tools to basically transfer the attributes from your old armor to your new armor to make it even stronger. Same way with weapons. And so like when you do that, it, it dismantles that piece of armor or that weapon and basically puts the attributes into the new weapon or armor. Which frees up two spots in the process. Yes. So that's because always... you lose your wrench and you lose your old armor. Exactly. Item management in this game is a bit of a bitch. <laughs> I, yeah, I what have, is all this junk for? I'm picking up junk everywhere. I have looked that up because I'm curious about it. Junk is stuff that uh, you can take it back to the guy in the armory in the police station. Mm-hmm. And he collects junk. If he collects enough of it, he creates a weapon that is likened to the ultimate weapon. Oh. He he creates one of the best weapons in the game supposedly. Um so I don't know exactly. Every time I every time I see junk, I just don't even pick it up. Yeah, I stopped collecting it. That yeah. sounds like a game 2 type of thing. <laughs> yeah. See if I can get enough junk, but But to go back to the active time bar, I there is some amount of management because each ability, obviously, it, it, each ability takes off a different amount of your your PE bar, your Parasite Eve bar, Parasite Eve powers. Um, they each have a different cost, and it only refills when you are in combat. Well, it only refills whenever you hit enemies with, I guess, standard attacks. See, mine was refilling over time, though. It may be refilling over time, but I think it re- it refills faster each time you hit somebody too. Mm. Um. So yeah, you there there is that other bar for the PE meter, which was helpful because at one point earlier in the game, I was starting to run out of health potions, right? Or medicines, I guess it's more modern. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was running out of those, and I'm like, shit. I don't know if I can keep taking on these guys. Maybe I should go searching for medicines. And then I realized I could just heal myself anytime I wanted, and the game got a lot easier after that. Yep. So um, in in standard RPG fashion, um, 
uh, every time when you level up, you sometimes, it, it, I think it depends on the level. So like at level five, you learn this and at level seven, yep. you learn this. So, um, she's constantly learning new abilities. So healing and, um, uh, like a, a slow down time, mm-hmm. like slow time uh, on the enemy so that their active time bar won't fill up fast. And you get um, an offensive beam weapon. Yeah, you, you start doing like a charge beam and stuff like that. And uh, the one I found the most useful is the barrier. Um, particularly in the the last boss that we'll talk about, I every time I put the barrier on, he was doing no damage to me, zero every time. Nice. So I'm like, yes, I need to use the barrier more. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so we run into Eve. She's at the uh, on the stage. She's talking to us, you know, going a little nuts, kind of crazy. Uh, we fight her. She flees, goes off into back into the back of the uh, the auditorium or whatever whatever you want to call it. Uh, we chase after her. Uh, here we we get a little information. Uh, we're running around backstage uh, in the dressing rooms and stuff like that. We obviously. Run into a clown. He dies. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't make it very far. Nah, you're like, get you the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, you should have just stayed put, but you get the hell out of here. And then we hear him burn up when he leaves the room. Um, There's a parrot there, apparently. And I talked to the parrot twice, and it turned into a monster. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what is happening is anybody who is around Eve... Uh, as far as creatures go. So like they, they showed it for an example, we get a, a CGI cutscene of a rat, uh, turning into this giant monstrosity. And that's what we have to fight. That's kind of like our introduction to the battle. Um, and there's multiple things that, that, that it makes, that does that. So you, you're, you're fighting all these mutated creatures and stuff. Um, but we do, eventually run into uh the woman who who is eve we run into her diary and um a few a few interesting things to note she's talking about she really wants to get the the lead in this opera play um and uh she's constantly taking medication we don't know what kind of medication but she's constantly talking about she needs to take medication and she always feels hot as in like she feels warm Almost like a sick person. Um, and, uh, she's, her, her house, her apartment gets set on fire. Uh, I guess this is after Eve is taken over. Um, I mean, you may need to explain some of this stuff to me because, so tell me, they they get into it a little bit because I, I'm wanting to know if this is I mean, obviously this is all fucking fantasy, but at the same time I'm like, is there any scientific ground to this at all? Well, so so there's a, a tiny kernel of it. I don't even want to say it's it's what makes any sense in this game, but it's I would say a tiny kernel of what makes mitochondria interesting. Okay. And the thing that sort of, you know, in in their basic sense, it's just another organelle within your cells. And it's essentially your ATP generating 
your your powerhouse. So in that sense, they were correct. Okay. Your mitochondria produces energy, but they start going on this like symbiotic tangent, like your you know your your nucleus, your cells couldn't survive if they weren't producing this energy. So therefore, they hold your cells at ransom. And I was like, that's where it doesn't really make any sense to me because that's like saying that your ability to interact with the world is dependent on your ability to see, for example. So your eyes could hold you ransom at some point because they have control over you. Right. So, so, if, you, so if your eyes become self-aware, they can <laughs> just yeah, take they can over. hold the ability to see, see the world, you know, hold that against you. Right. Hold it, ransom it. So, I mean, th- that one aspect of the game I find to be very weird and not solid logic. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, they produce energy. Therefore, they control you. They own your cells. But, the, you know, the, the thing that kind of makes them interesting is that there is an amount of controversy over where they came from. Because mitochondria do have their own DNA. Um, and it's circularized, so it's sort of like a bacteria. So all the other organelles in your cell, you know, the the assumption is that they just evolved over time. But the the sort of contradictory hypothesis with mitochondria is that long ago it was a bacteria that was engulfed by our cells, uh-huh. and then there was sort of a symbiosis set up, and then over time they've just shed everything almost everything that makes them unique and so they're unrecognizable as or compared to an ancestral bacteria that they might have come from okay so the idea is that it might have been a foreign body pulled up by a cell and it's just been incorporated into the cell so then this game goes on a weird tangent where they start evolving independent of humans or the rest of the human and and now they become self-aware so, uh, well, you can probably tell me this. When were they discovered? Uh, like a, lo- say, a long yeah. time ago? Yeah. Certainly early century. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just curious because I'm, for some reason, like, why would they use this as their source material for, like, this game and this book? You know what I mean? Well, that hypothesis has been around since the 70s. Okay. So that's really – there was no reason to really talk about them until somebody proposed that they might be foreign in nature. Okay. At least in origin. So, yeah, anytime after the 70s, you know, and if that's all you know about it, hey, we've got foreign things that we've incorporated into our body. You know, who knows what they could do? (laughs) Like – Burn people alive. Like they're, like they're like they're sleepers, basically. Right. Who knows when they'll get activated? Uh huh. So that's basically what Eve is doing is is turning other people's mitochondria against them because they generate heat, or they yeah, generate well, energy, which is turned into they heat. They generate energy. So if every mitochondria starts firing at the same time, they say that would be enough energy that would be released as heat that would burn burn person up. Right. Okay. Is that is that scientifically true or no? I mean, I think it's scientifically impossible. So who knows what would happen? Right. 
we're, we're, we're myth busted, man. We're, we're doing this now. <laughs> but, um, so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, um, we pursue Eve, eventually find her down in the sewers, which is where I remember as a kid going. Um, and it, it, we really don't get much from her. She's just kind of rambling, constantly talking about being awoken. And particularly Aya. So, um, we have another fight with her. We have multiple fights with this woman and, and we can't kill her apparently. Yeah, it seems like we fight her essentially every chapter, the, yeah. The boss of every level is the same boss. <laughs> right. So um but she did she does she does bring out like a a boss for this for this chapter, right? Um what is it? It's something crocodile. Yeah, crocodile, that's it. The crocodile or alligator, whatever whichever one. Yeah. Um, once live in the sewers in New York City. I think it's alligators. It could yeah, be I think so. Too. So um, there's a, a mutated crocodile or alligator, or whatever, large reptile, which doesn't look anything like an alligator, even from the start. Like well, it looks like it's already been mutated. It, it, it grows into this. Yeah, I think it had. There's only a few times where we actually see things mutate in front of us. Uh, we saw the rat, and we'll obviously see the dog. Yeah, but I mean, those start off as like normal animals. This thing starts off already as like some cartoony, weird, <laughs> not all anatomically correct alligator. Right. So uh, we fight it. Uh, I didn't have too much of a problem with this fight. But uh, afterwards, uh, we make it back out of the um, out of the sewers. And almost immediately are bombarded uh, outside of the uh, the opera house with the uh, the news. The news has come. I want to ask us questions. Why are you the only one that survived this? I don't know. And you know, everybody's asking a whole bunch of questions. And all of a sudden, a cop car pulls up, and a guy gets out and punches the person in the face. Well, that's our partner. That's our partner, Daniel. He's got some anger issues. He does. He is the. He's the, uh, is it, uh, Murtaugh to our rigs. <laughs> He's too old for this shit. Um, so he, he wants us to get into the cop car. We're going to go downtown and, and, and talk about what the hell went on here because everybody's dead except for Aya. And we don't know what the hell's going on. Um, so Daniel. Uh, how do I explain Daniel? Daniel is your typical, I'm not going to believe jack shit you say, or I don't believe in this scientific mumbo jumbo guy. He, he's, yeah, he's a hard headed, nose to the grindstone detective. Yeah, he's one of those hardened detectives who works too much and neglects his family. Drinks way too much coffee, black out of styrofoam cups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives. He lives one cup of coffee at a time. Um, but he seems very loyal to Aya. Uh, that's, yeah. that's one thing I didn't get out of it. Uh, he, he knows that Aya is, you know, obviously a new detective still wet behind the ears and he's took her under his wing. He's like been 25 years on the force and, you know, stuff like that. So I, I sent that one tweet about how Aya runs really slow, uh-huh. but Daniel drives really ridiculously 
fast. Oh, Jesus Did you Christ. notice how fast they would have to be going? Uh, probably warp five, I guess. At least 250 <laughs> miles an hour down the streets of New York. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense that the, the storefronts are going by that fast. And not only that, but there's constantly, every time he's in a car, we have a we have a cutscene. We talk, and then he does what looks like he's gear shifting, even though there's not a gear shifter there. Uh, he's, it looks like he's shifting gears and going faster. <laughs> yeah. At one point, like, so basically I took a video on my phone of how fast everything was going. And, I, you know, I had just left the game there because you have to... Advance the dialogue, yeah, which is unspoken, which is common for this time. But I left it there, and I'm laughing out loud to myself at how fast everything is going. I'm like, this, this is impossible. You would die within two seconds going this fast in New York City. That's the thing. I'm like, where are the fucking cars? <laughs> yeah, where's anything? But even I mean, I guess it makes sense when they after they say that everything's evacuated. Well, yeah, he's but doing that- this. Before the evacuation. Yeah, this is before the evacuation because they, they even mention it. You know, like uh, after the evacuation, he's like, there's no cars. This is how it's supposed to be. And I'm like, no, you do that anyway. Yeah, he's crazy. Because the thing is, I took that video on my phone and then I started playing again. And 10 seconds later, it's like, all right, now let's let's kick it into high gear or something. I'm like, that wasn't high gear. <laughs> oh, while we're talking, we should have already arrived and, and lapped the block about five times. So, uh,. <laughs> Verse going this fast. I know it. So, um, make it to the police station. Uh, the other detectives are there along with the police chief. Uh, and the weird thing is they have dialogue. Like, like all these characters have dialogue, but it, it's never explored enough to even care. Like, you know, the police chief used to be uh, Daniel's equal, but then he got promoted and and it, it, you know they they mentioned there might be that. some tension there yeah they, they yeah they might mention that but then it's just it's just there we, we don't care you know it's not explored because we don't care about these characters um but then we we also get a touch of like uh, daniel and his son and how he promised him he's going to take him to this concert at central park and he can't make it cuz there's a big case going on and he gets all mad and runs away and you know, it's, it, obviously they, they're trying to explore Daniel a little bit more than the other characters in the game. Um, but while we're there, we're trying to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, and uh, obviously the mitochondria, she mentions that. And they're like, what the hell is that? And it's a scientific term for this. And, well, it's science. Why don't we go to the museum? There should be scientists there and, and then we can we can ask them what the hell that is. Yeah, like the world's leading expert on mitochondria happens to work in a museum. Yeah, in New York City. So, which I mean, I guess if you're going to work at a museum, that's probably a one that you might be able to do research at. But yeah, I guess. I guess. I always thought those were kind of like tourist attractions, <laughs> or you know, they they restore stuff there. They don't do research there. I've never. Yeah, I I've mean, they generally seen. don't. They really don't do biotechnological research. <laughs> you might have like archaeological research because that's, that's what where I'm bones thinking. Are housed. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking of like you know Grant like dusting off bones at a museum. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that works. But then <laughs> I'm like, do, do they really do like you know? Do they splice DNA and shit like that at a fucking museum? 
I'm sure he does. He had molecules up on his computer. Yeah, that's the, that means he's a scientist. <laughs> Obviously. So uh, we we travel to the museum, uh, and uh, the doctor there. Uh, oh God, it's, it's a dumb name. What was his name? Doctor uh, starts with a B, maybe. Oh shit. Shit. Damn it, I had it even. Hang on a second. I still got the Wikipedia page up, maybe. Clamp. Clamp. <laughs> Dr. Clamp. <laughs> he tells them uh uh about the the, the mitochondria. Um and uh, she starts having flashbacks. Aya starts having Which she's fl- had sort of throughout these, these short flashbacks. Yeah. And there's uh, also this little girl, Maya. Uh, Yeah, Maya, I believe. A little blonde girl that we've been seeing both in the flashbacks and walking around New York City. Uh-huh. And um, she's actually helping us, kind of. She's showing us where to go. Especially when walking around uh, the next part that we go to, so the, the these are all split into days. Uh, the first day is Christmas Eve. Uh, obviously, the second day is Christmas Day, and it, it's it's a, it, it's basically telling the story of what happens in the the six days this this is taking place, which I think is, you know, kind of like a, a foreshadowing or not not a foreshadowing. I don't know what the literary term is, but uh, basically, it's allegorical. Yeah, uh, basically, you know, the five days of creation, you know, the sixth day, create a man, you know, that kind of deal. Seventh day, they rested. So uh, I think that's that's kind of like a, a parallels to that. Um, so uh, when we go to the museum, we meet with Dr. Clamp, who is very abrasive, Uh Typical scientist, I guess. Yeah, you know, you know, it's a bad name. Yeah, they don't like to talk to anybody. Get out of my, get out of my lab, you, you, you dumb cops. You think you can come in here and just, just run the place? You know. So we, we go there, and he, he, he does describe a little bit about, you know, what we're dealing with. Just a little bit, not enough to even care. <laughs> um, but when he finds out who Aya is, he kind of. He kind of becomes a little, almost, I wouldn't say scared, but kind of cautious. It's like, well, I don't know if I should, you know, say anything to these people. Cause, you know, and she starts having fucking flashbacks of a, of a, what well, looks like a hospital room or a, some kind of a laboratory, uh, with two beds, uh, and a little blonde girl laying on one bed. And what I'm guessing is her on the other. Yeah, that's that's what I assumed. But. I'm I'm getting the vibe that she has been experimented on. That's just me though. <laughs> Obviously. Because we can't figure out why she didn't burn up with everybody else. Uh and now she has these special powers. Like she can heal herself and shit. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um so he wants us to get out of his fucking lab. We leave his lab. And uh, go back to the uh, to the precinct, um, where after we pass through the world map, yeah, yeah, going through the world. 
So the world map is so strange. Like, I, I don't even know why it's even there. Yeah, it seems odd. Because another weird thing is they make you pick where, where you're going to go. And then while you're on the way, they have a discussion of where we should go. Yeah. And I'm like, A, if you're going to do it this way, shouldn't you have had that conversation beforehand? So at least I know, all right, this is where the game wants me to go. Then maybe I want to go check something else out. Right. But I don't know. I thought that whole part was weird. It's it, it, archaic design, man. Welcome to 1998, man. That's why? Because it's old. <laughs> that, that's that's the best way to describe it. I mean, I, like there is absolutely no reason to have a world map in this game because everything is linear. We're going here. All right, let's go here. Period. It should be a cutscene of them in the car going, you know, fast as a jet. So it's uh, that that it's it's weird how they handle that kind of stuff. But we go back to the precinct, and um, the uh, Daniel's child. Ben is there and he told him, he's like, Hey, you know, he, he, no, no, no. He was there earlier. Uh, Daniel remembers, Oh, we're supposed to go to, uh, the, the concert at central park for Christmas day. Uh, it just so happens. Aya remembers reading in the, um, in the diary, of the woman who is now Eve, that she was also going to be singing at that concert in Central Park. Oh shit! Everybody at that concert is gonna get burned alive. Yep. So Daniel goes fucking nuts. I gotta get there. I gotta save my son and my wife. Even though my wife is probably gonna leave me. <laughs> There's a few things that like he brings up, like oh Lorraine doesn't care about me anymore, and she'll. Like it's so it's so detached. You don't even care. I'm just like, yeah. come on. So we had to go to Central Park. This is basically our dungeon for day number two. Uh, the, you start finding out that the, you start sensing a pattern. We're going to have some cutscenes with some dialogue and stuff like that. Tell a little bit more of the story. But you're always going to run into a large area where you have to explore and run into enemies. And yeah, that's basically our dungeon. Our modern day dungeon is Central Park. Now I've never been to New York before. Um, and I've, I've, I've only seen pictures of Central Park. And aside from, uh, me exploring it in alone in the dark, I don't know much about Central Park. But do they have like a muse, a museum or a zoo in Central Park? Is that real? Uh, I thought so. Okay, so there is a Central Park Zoo. I I did not realize. I was like, there is there really a park? Like the thing is, like, how the fuck big is Central Park? It can't be that big, can it? No, it's pretty huge. Really? Is it so? It's over a mile long. The zoo itself is almost seven acres. Okay, never mind then. I I, I like I said, I've never been there. I have no idea. I just thought it was a big plot of land. In the middle of a city. So. Yeah, I mean, that's essentially exactly what it is. Yeah, but I mean, like, every time I've, like, you know, with, like, Alone in the Dark, the fucking huge. I mean, that, that place is, yeah. you know, that's the entire game almost. It's 1.32 square miles. Interesting. That's a pretty big plot of land. So there you go. I learned something today. 
so yeah, uh, we go to Central Park uh, to hopefully stop this concert from going on. We don't like the thing is, it's like, how do we even know Eve is going to go to this concert? I mean, why would she even go there if you know it was written in that diary of the woman? Yeah. Because that was the next show for the. It was the same opera essentially. Right, but I mean, once Eve took over, why would she even give a shit about an opera? You know. But she's got big plans apparently, which we get into. She's she's gonna she's trying to start a new a new species of everybody's gonna be evolving, and you know the mitochondria is gonna take over, you know, as the predominant species of this planet. Or whatever, but so we we go to Central Park. Uh, had to go through the zoo and stuff like that. This is another dungeon where we're running into enemies and stuff like that. Um, honestly, like I'm skipping most of this stuff because it's just us running around, opening chests, chests everywhere, uh, getting new equipment and stuff like that, equipping it. Um, at this point, I've got the M16. Yep. Which, that's the next gun you get. So you start off with a pistol, right? Like every cop does. And you go to the, uh, cause it, like the chief, police chief tells you, it's like, all right, we're dealing with some crazy shit here. Go get yourself a new gun. We go down <laughs> to the armory. They give me a fucking M16. What? <laughs> it's like, I just imagine like fucking, you know, a, a police detective in New York City running around with a fucking M16. <laughs> I was like, wow, this is. Definitely is becoming a police state real quick. And then you proceed to find five more handguns. Yeah, that are. What the heck am I going to use these handguns for? Yeah, except tape up my inventory space, and you can't just discard them. You can leave them. You can leave them in boxes if you want to. Yeah, I've been tooling them into my M16. Well, see, I, 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 well, we'll get into that a little bit later, but I, I actually found another gun that is comparable to to the M16 that is much more powerful. Mm. Um, but yeah, so, uh, we travel through central park, you know, uh, trying to find ways to get a few keys, stuff like that, open a few doors. Uh, but needless to say, we eventually run into, uh, where the concert is supposed to be taking place. And the whole time we're, like I said, we're, we're, we're kind of following this projection of the little girl that's in our dream. Yeah, she sort of disappears right in front of us sometimes. Yeah, it's, so. like a, it's like a ghost almost, or just like a memory or something. Maybe a hallucination. Hallucination. <laughs> hallucination. I think I have to yeah. combine two words there or something. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, so we're following her. She's kind of like directing us on the correct path because you can get slightly lost here if you're not careful. Uh, but eventually we make it to where the concert's being held and it, people are still like going out and I mean, after you hear what happened at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, I'm going to assume these were the uninformed people. It was all over the news. People burst into flames, but people are there. Um, they're watching the concert or getting ready for the concert. Eve comes out. And melts everybody down to this liquid goo. Yeah, this was a weird cutscene. Yeah, it was a CGI cutscene where everybody's just, it, it, you know, even the people don't look real because it's such such bad, you know, CGI. 
And they start melting well, down. I, was, I would say old CGI. Oh, it's old CGI. I thought it was pretty impressive for considering the time it's from. Well, yeah, yeah. For the time, I guess it was amazing looking and very, very graphic and horrifying. Yeah, because they, like, they show a guy's leg and then all of a sudden the pants split and you can see his bones underneath and all the flesh is just like melts off of it. Yeah. So, well, all right. So they, they, they it melts the people and then goes into Eve. Uh, she, it's like she's she's kind of like sucking the life force out of people. Um, we show up, confront her. She she's continuing her. Oh, you're stronger than what I thought. Uh, and, and and bullshit like that. Um. And we uh, we have another cutscene of her. We we have to fight. Obviously, we have to fight the, the the next boss, which are these multiple worms that keep coming out of the ground. I didn't have any problem here. In fact, I figured I was over leveled. Yeah, that's when I sent you that text. I was like, yeah, I think I'm a touch over leveled. Yeah, because I was like, this boss fight is not difficult at all. Then again, I was getting good positioning like every time apparently everywhere i stood those spikes that they kept throwing out was not hitting me and i was like huh i guess i just need to stand here because <laughs> I, I just somehow got lucky every time and only got hit like twice during the whole fight and i'm like man what am i am i doing something am i that good or am i just lucky that i'm standing in the right spot every time so we kill the worms and then we pursue eve uh, we eventually make it out of the central park, uh, back into the, the edge of central park into the city. Uh, and there's one of those, you know, you can't have a movie or a game in central park without the fucking horse and carriage thing. Yep. So, uh, there's the horse and carriage there. Um, Eve's like, uh, if you want to hear more about what's going on, you, you know, take a ride with me. And so we oblige and, and, and get in the back of this fucking carriage uh, Eve sets the fucking horse on fire, <laughs> yeah. and you start traveling down—I I don't know Fifth Avenue. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just—I'm just making up shit now. You start going down the fucking street, uh, completely abandoned once again. No, every street in every cutscene is completely abandoned in New York, and I'm like, this is not true at all. Yep. But that's all they could do back then. So, um. We have a flaming horse running down the street, and we have another boss fight with Eve, of all people. And Which, we re- this is one of the many fights where we're on such a tiny space. Yeah, we can't move anywhere. Three steps in one direction and two in the other. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just pointing an M16 right in her fucking face and, and pulling the trigger, seems like, every time. Um, I didn't have any problem with this fight. It was just like, this is kind of ridiculous, but whatever. And eventually, when we when we defeat her, she goes off, and the the carriage wrecks, and you know we get knocked out, and then we get a cutscene of uh, a, a Japanese man uh, trying to talk to some police officers. The police officers have blocked off the uh, the street because of the you know everyone's being evacuated. Yeah, people are melting and shit, so. Everybody's getting evacuated, and we don't know what the hell's going on. But uh, there's this uh, Japanese guy who is trying to talk to these uh, police officers. Apparently, one police officer speaks Japanese, um, and uh, they're trying to have a conversation. 
And then the two cops get caught on fire. And um, <laughs> it, I found it funny because this is where the, the bad 1998 dialogue comes in. It's like the, uh, the, the, the Japanese man is like, oh, this may be my chance. And just like slowly turns and then <laughs> walks around the barricade. I'm like, really? There was a gap right there you could have ran through. But apparently the animators wanted him to, to go another way. And uh, we cut to um, Aya waking up in what looks like a dilapidated house. Uh, a house with obviously electricity because he's watching television, but there's a barrel on fire, one of the fire barrels that you know homeless people use, <laughs> in the middle of the fucking room. <laughs> I'm just like, what the fuck is this? Uh, she doesn't know what the hell's going on, but she, the 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 Japanese man is there watching television. She's trying to uh, talk to him, figure out what the hell what was going on. And then um, he, he says the, the guy saved you bust through the door. Here comes Daniel. It's like, Oh, got you just in time and all this other stuff. And what the hell's going on? Well, the city's being evacuated and we don't know what's going on. And who is this Japanese man? And he introduces himself and, he is a scientist from Japan who has came to investigate what is going on here because it sounds very similar to something that he saw in Japan. Which, now that you mentioned that this game is a sequel, I have a feeling he may be the main character of the book. Yeah. Is this guy's name Maeda? Uh, yeah. I... I, I God damn it. I, I'm so bad with names. I'm, I'm surprised they even remember Daniel and Ben for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Let's see here. Da, 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 da. Uh, yeah. Maeda. Kun, Kunihiko Maeda. Um, who is, um, he, he is a scientist from uh, Japan. Come to investigate uh, because he's heard about all this stuff going on. And it sounds very much like something he has seen in Japan, not as a, in a such large scale. Apparently, they were able to stop it in Japan. Uh, so he wants to come along with them to obviously give his scientific opinion on stuff. Um, and so this we enter into day three. Uh, and day three is all about, okay, the city is evacuated. We need to start like, I guess, regrouping and figure out what to do next. Yeah. Day three is weird because it's almost very short. It's very short. All you do is collect some supplies and go back to the police station. Yep. So, uh, like, like you just said, we go to the gun store, uh, the Japanese man uh, makes a joke of like, wow, you guys actually do sell guns in America like crazy. Uh, and uh, uh, maybe in the late 90s, it was a different time. I don't know. I was a kid. Um, but I guess something in legislation must have changed recently because I could find machine guns in a gun store. Don't think that's true. But uh, you know, there was I was able to get a, a what was that a handgun, a rifle, and a machine gun out of this place. 
Yeah, there's quite a bit in here. And a good amount of ammo, uh, and, and upgrades. Uh, and upgrades and stuff like that. Um, but I, I, I then equipped the, uh, the submachine gun. Um, because I was like, well, more shots are better than two shots. Um, the, the only downside, did you try out the machine gun, Matt? Uh, the new one that we picked up? Yeah, the one in the gun store, yeah. Yeah, it was like the M11 or something? Yeah, it was, it's like a submachine gun kind of deal. I've grabbed it. I haven't used it yet. I think I actually, I held on to it for a little while and then tooled it into my M16. Okay. Uh, so the machine guns act a little bit differently than the rest of the guns. So like, uh, it, in combat with handguns or like, um, the M16, you can, when, when you, when your bar fills up, you can choose to attack something and you can choose to, I want to attack this enemy in front of me and this enemy to the side and you go bang, bang kind of deal with the machine gun. You don't get to choose. She just automatically chooses to shoot. So instead of just unloading on one guy, she goes, and she's aiming at everybody. So it's kind of a downside where (laughs) you may have an enemy too far away and I only do three hit point damage to it while the enemy right in front of me, I'm not shooting when she could do 20 hit point damage to it. So you Mm -hmm. can't choose who you want to shoot, but you, you can unload on guys, obviously. Um, so I used the machine gun for a while because it was, I was always running into battles and I only had like two guys and I was just, you know, just fucking mowing them down. And I was okay with that. So eventually we go to the, we get some supplies at the, the, the pharmacy as well. Uh, just, you know, healing items and stuff like that. So we go back to the, uh, to the police station because that's where Ben is, uh, Daniel's son. Um, uh, he's, he's staying there t- obviously because shit's going down <laughs> and he doesn't want his son. He doesn't want his son running around. So we, uh, make it back to the precinct and all hell has broke loose there. People are dead. Eve has obviously been here. Uh, of course, Daniel runs off like, Oh my God, where's my son? Uh, so we decide to try and find Daniel and his and Ben, uh, and along the way we run into a whole bunch of enemies and stuff like that. Uh, I, I went back to the armory, uh, and found, uh, Torres, Torres. I don't know how Torres, you, yeah. Torres. He is, he's been mortally wounded. Um, and, uh, see, that's another thing They, you know, if you went and talked to them, uh, the young guy who wants to be in charge of the guns is all gung ho, and Torres is like this old man who, who d- doesn't want him. He's like, guns are not toys; they're serious business and stuff like that. And I'm like, I don't care about this. And then whenever I come back, they're talking about he never really liked guns because his wife was accidentally killed by a gun, and he 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 joined the police force to 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 regulate guns. I'm like, I don't care. Heartless. This guy's dying. His wife is dead. I don't, I mean, but still, who cares? Like, these are characters that have no backstory, no bearing on the story whatsoever. It's just, it's just filler. It's not even yeah. filler. It's, it's, it's two seconds of dialogue. Which is weird when the game is so short. Exactly. Exactly. That's the thing. This is, this is like, 
unlike any game Square has ever made, I think. <laughs> like as far as like modern Square, I should say. Um, so it, it's, it's it's strange, but yeah. So, um, you know, I I I find more ammo, finding guns and stuff like that. I, this is where I pick up the gun that I'm using now. Um, there is a part where y- you have to kill the monster that killed Torres. Uh, and if you kill him, you get a new gun, which is a lot like the M16, but it's much more powerful. Um, and I equipped that because my machine gun just wasn't cutting it anymore. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so we're running around the police station trying to find Ben and all that stuff. And, and, and in between, we're, we're getting cutscenes of, of Ben has befriended one of the police dogs. Shiva. Shiva, no less. Yeah. Uh, the Final Fantasy Summon. Uh, the Goddess of Ice, I believe. Can't really remember. But, um, he has befriended the, the police, the local police dog, the precinct dog. Um, they made sure to show us the first time we were in the police station. Yeah. The, the old man foreshadowing like crazy. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, so we we're constantly getting cutscenes of him chasing after the dog because the dog dog's going nuts. He's chasing after the dog. Obviously, this is not going to end well. Um, and we eventually make it to the cutscene where the police chief Baker is protecting the son from the dog Shiva because we get another cutscene and this one is actually kind of gruesome, I should say. So I think it's the most gruesome I've seen where the dog is a German shepherd. Its face splits vertically yep. <laughs> and it turns into three different heads, almost like a Cerberus. And, and, and it's like this gaping hole in the middle of its chest where its head should be. And there's another like shittily formed head. <laughs> <laughs> And like it, it has this long tongue that has teeth on it. It's really weird, and it's fucked up. <laughs> sort of makes it feel even more Resident Evil-ish. Yeah. So um, it gets mutated, and uh, we yeah you know, it, it wounds Baker, um, and he's still there trying to protect uh, Daniel's son. Oh, he's valiant. Yeah. He's he shot it a few times. It's not doing anything. And then uh, Aya busts in. And it's like, you're the one I want. And the dog turns around. Now it's time to fight this asshole. And I call it this asshole because I actually died three times here. And it kind of pissed me off. <laughs> oh, damn. This thing. All right. The first time was I had forgot to heal, which was my bad. And it killed me in like after two hits because I didn't heal enough. The second time was me being careless and saying, I can kill this thing probably in another hit. And then it did that fucking AOE attack. Yep. The uh, earthquake. The earthquake thing. And that thing does some fucking damage. Um, and this is another one where you're in such a tiny space, you can't really get distance. You can't dodge jack shit. The only because thing. Later on, you fight enemies that have, like, or I guess it was before this, but they have. Those area of effect attacks. I don't even know what they are. What kind of animal they were. Uh huh. But the farther away you are, you know, you can you can run away from them to sort of avoid most of the damage. But you can't do that here because you're stuck within like two feet of this monster. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, I died the second time there. Um, I only died twice, I should say. Uh, the third time is when I said, let me start using some of my abilities. So I used, uh, the, the, the slowdown ability on it. So it wasn't doing as many attacks. And then I also said, let me try this barrier out. Maybe it'll up my defense. No, it negates pretty much all damage from that fuck. I'm like, why have I not been using this sooner? <laughs> well, basically it uses your parasite Eve bar to absorb hit points, right? Right. So basically what I ended up doing was, was casting that thing all the time um, and just not getting hit. Uh, we eventually take it out. Um, and uh, this is the this is the one where I was like, okay, there should be a cutscene after this, and that should be the end of the day. But then it's you kill it, and then you have to walk over to fucking Baker. I'm like, it's fucking two steps. Just start the cutscene, guys. Yeah, why waste the time to load the actual game engine for me to walk? So then you can load the cutscene. But that's, that's another one of those old things. But um, Baker's still alive. He's wounded, but he's still alive. Um, Daniel shows up <laughs> right after the boss fight. Thanks, Daniel. Even though you stocked up on machine guns and shit, like just like me. Um, and uh, his son's okay. And uh, the the chapter day ends with basically uh, Ben saying, "I want you to find out who did this to Sheva." And I'm like, "I am." That's the end of the day, and that's where we stopped. Or rather, that's where I stopped. Yeah, that's where I stopped, too. Yeah. And um, that's the first half of Parasite Eve. This game is going by very quickly. Yeah. So I don't know if something because drastically changes and the chapters start getting longer. Or this game is probably going to take me about five hours to beat. Five or six. <laughs> Yeah, because time sort of passes differently in intense games versus RPGs. Like when you can just languidly spend hours and replay some battles to level up a little bit and spend some time in your inventory, like you can easily blow through three or four hours in RPG. Yeah. But this game doesn't have a lot of the extraneous stuff. There are no other quests to do that I've, you know, maybe that's why the world map is there. I haven't tried going to other places to see if there's other stuff to do, but nobody gives you quests. So I, I almost wonder if it's enough. Like what, what do you need in a game to call it an RPG versus a survival horror game with RPG elements? Right. There is one thing that we forgot. I forgot to mention when we, we took, um, uh, the scientist to the, to the museum lab. And we ran into, oh, yeah. yeah, we ran back into Clamp. Yeah, so the most scientifically appalling uh, segment of the game was in that part. Okay, so explain to me exactly. Because basically what they're doing there is they're looking at Aya's cells. Uh-huh. And there's a microscope in there. Typical tabletop microscope. Right. And then they're like, oh, here, have a look at your cells. Which leads to a cutscene, but, you know, presumably it's what Aya was looking at under the microscope. 
but the very first thing you see is DNA strands. That's what I like. I'm no scientist, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can't see DNA in a microscope. You cannot see DNA strands <laughs> in a microscope. I was thinking, certainly this... not a little tabletop microscope like that. You don't yeah. see anything. And then they like zoom in more, and it looks like you're looking at atoms. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, are they seriously like looking at <laughs> molecules and atoms now? I was like, what is this? But I think it was supposed to be a nucleus because they started talking about the mitochondria attacking the nucleus. Yeah. But it didn't make – I don't know. Like it was, That was a messy jumble of pseudoscientific imagery. What they were basically testing was, all right, on normal human being cells, this mitochondria will attach to their – cells and basically hold it prisoner or not really hold it prisoner because they're within the cell already yeah so it's it's basically holding it hostage it's latching onto it you you saw these things latch onto it and it can't move right yeah it's basically taking over oh it's so ridiculous but then but then it showed ayas and instead of it it tried to latch on but then ayas nucleus set off a static electricity zap and it knocked the mitochondria off. It'd make more sense if she was just an alien. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> the best part of that scene though was afterwards when uh Clamp walks back in and he's like, Why are you using my electronic microscope? <laughs> yeah, I was well, I, I was gonna ask you, is like is that, is that like a maybe special meant one? electron microscope <laughs> Which still wouldn't be able to see the DNA, I don't think. Right. Uh, but at least that's a type of microscope. To say my electronic microscope literally means my one that's plugged into the wall. <laughs> and it just looks like a light microscope, which you could probably see the cells on. And that's about it. The <laughs> outside, so no mitochondria, certainly no DNA, no atoms. Right. You can see the cells under a light microscope. That's it. Hmm. Well, well, there you go. But besides the kind of somewhat dumb dialogue at times, characters that I really don't care about, I'm actually really liking this game. Yeah, it's surprisingly playable. It's it. Like it so many old games are just frustrating and grating in every way. Yeah. And I think you're right that the combat's simple, but even just navigating the menus is easy. And that's, you know, that's a feat from a game this old. Yeah. You know, it's very clear what each section, like as, as you're going down the list of icons on the left, which you may or may not be able to decipher on their own. Mm -hmm. It gives you a description in the upper left as to exactly what you do in that category. Right. Like, I, I think those are, that's a very well designed, Inter, you know, UI user interface. They have done a good job with that. They did. They did a very good job with that. It was. Uh, I think that the, the game itself just flows really well. It, you know, it, the pacing is good, even though we're, we're moving from one ridiculousness to the next. But the pacing works. You know, it's it, you're never at something too awful long. I think Central Park lasted just. It was just long enough to for be to to be annoying. It just started to get annoying. I was like, all right, I'm done with this fucking place. Um, 
you know, the, the police station didn't take any time at all. Yeah, um, I think there's a good variety of locales, which helps spice it up yeah. along those lines. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really enjoying this game, especially for an older game like that. Yeah, I, I love the fact that I have control, and if I want to do a battle a couple of times, I've been able to do that. Yeah. Just leave and come back to the same area and get a couple extra fights in, level up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I haven't spent much time doing that, but you can, which I appreciate in any RPG. Right. Uh, I think it looks pretty good for its age. Yeah. I, so, like when you get into the police station, this when it's all like battered and all the, you know, all the glass is shattered and, you know, I, it, the music's not good in the game and the sound in general is weak because nothing's voiced really. But yeah. there's enough of an ambiance, enough background music to sort of set the mood. Uh, this is... To me, this is one of the weakest soundtracks to a Square game I've ever yes. played. It's it's just it, it feels like typical late nineties, kind of like uh, runway music. That's what it is. It sounds like fucking runway music from the from the late nineties. It's yeah, you know, a lot of piano. Ding, 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 ding. I'm just like, what? Is, what is this? It's just it's so generic. Yeah, you know. Which I like. That's the thing. I'm like, what? What am I going to use? I think the boss battle music is about the best song in the game so far. And I'm like, I guess I'll just use that for the intro and outro because I honestly nothing stands out to me as far as um yeah. as far as and, and I, I I have to give it to Square because this is one thing that it always gets on my nerves when games don't do it, and this game did it, and it surprised me because of how old it is. Is that when you go when you boot up the game, it starts off with at continue and not new game. Oh yeah, every, so you don't accidentally start a new game. Every exactly. Other. Every every game I applaud that does that. I swear to God, because it gets on my nerves so bad. I'm like, wow, it actually starts to continue. Thank you, Square. You get me. So, yeah. But yeah, that's the first half of Parasite Eve. I it's kind of ridiculous, but it's kind of fun. Yeah, I like it. It's 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 interesting. This is this is actually one of the few games that we have went back to that still holds up. Yeah, certainly better than I expected. Yeah, and again, the thing I compare it most to is Dino Crisis that we've done from a similar time period, right? In a relatively similar style and. Dino Crisis. I, I don't know how long that game would take me to get through without a fact. You know, uh, so much backtracking and trying to find things. There's a lot of puzzle involved and and finding finding keys, essentially keys to open doors that you can't open now. It's it's a very Resident Evil-y. While this game, for all intents and purposes, it's linear. You're going to find a key. All right, there's a door. I can't open this one door in this dungeon. Well, let me run around until I find a key. Oh, guess what? That key is to open that door I can't open. So... You know, it's 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 very simplistic in that kind of thing. Yeah. So it's much more straightforward, sure. Yeah, this is definitely a straightforward game, and I like that about it. It's just, it's it's well done. It really is. Um. So yeah, that's uh, that's where we're gonna leave off on uh, on Parasite Eve. Uh, we will be back next week to finish it off. Um. If you'd like to send me an email, you can send me an email. It's drew at ztgd.com. 
Uh, we'll read it on the show. Tell us what you think about Parasite Eve. If you're playing along with us or if you, if you have fond memories of it, I know a lot of people out there, there's a pretty big following for this. Hell, there was even, uh, Ken told me there was even a movie, a Japanese movie made based on yep. this game. I didn't know that. I don't that. know if it was based on the game or the book. It might have been based on the book. I don't know. That's, that's one of the things I, 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 I know absolutely nothing about the lore of Parasite Eve other than, something about creatures that, that, that was what I've always remembered was like, it's something about evolution. That's what I've always known about it. Like human beings started evolving again or something like that. That's what I always thought. Um, so yeah, let us know what you think. Um, we'll read it on the show. Uh, you can also follow us both on Twitter. I'm at DML fury and Matt is at R E M G S. You can also follow the podcast itself. It's at ZTGD Phoenix down. I post all the new episodes there, so you definitely check that out. Um, that's it. That's it for us. I'm excited. I want to see how it ends. Yeah, I want to see. There's there's a decent amount of story in the game. Like you spend a lot of time talking about background story, and and I'd like to see if it develops in anything. Hopefully, yeah. it won't turn out like as above, so below did, <laughs> where it was great and then just had the worst ending. Right. So. Well, I think the combat's going to be able to pull me through on that. And as long as it doesn't get overly complicated as far as like I'm stuck in this dungeon for two hours and I don't want to be here anymore. You know, yeah. if I if I start hitting that, that's when it starts to get kind of, you know, dragging me down a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, uh, that's it for us. I appreciate everybody listening. Uh, we will be back next week to, uh, to finish uh, Parasite Eve and then it's off to Metal Gear Solid. Which I'm really excited for that because I installed that whenever I installed uh, Parasite Eve, and I'm like, man, I'm so tempted to start it up now, <laughs> but I didn't. So um, I'm saving that. We're gonna have a really good time with that one. Uh, but until next week, I'm Drew, and I'm Matt, and we are out of here. I hope you guys have a great week. We'll catch you next week with the continuation and the conclusion of Parasite Eve. <laughs>